Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeatGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeatGeek.com and use promo code SideRetiredPod for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including the World Series, the NFL, and NHL. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Well, if you followed baseball for the last couple of years, you've known that this episode was eventually going to come in our funeral episode series that we've been doing over the past couple of weeks or so. We've finally arrived at Mr. Jack Stappenbeck's favorite team. We're, of course, wrapping up the season for the New York Yankees today. They have been swept by the Houston Astros. We will also briefly touch upon towards the end of this episode, the NLCS that featured the Philadelphia Phillies taking care of business against the San Diego Padres. And we are now officially set up for an Astros versus uh, Astros versus Phillies World Series, a repeat of the 1980 NLCS, and it is once again the third time that the Houston Astros will be playing a National League East opponent over the last couple of years in the World Series. We're, of course, recording roughly 15 minutes after the Yankees' elimination, so similar to the episode, if you're a Mets fan, you haven't heard the one where I gave the raw motion on the Mets season ender. That one's a couple episodes below this one, so make sure to check that out. But today... We're handing the mic over to Jack and Jack. Raw emotions. This game is over. The Yankee season is over. Thoughts on the season, the game, whatever you want to take us in. Um, first is just the uh, pretty abysmal effort from the F the offense. Uh, the bottom of the lineup, you have several guys in there who are defense first, offense nothing. Jose Jose Trevino did not put together a semi competent at bat the entire postseason. Saldo Cabrera was pretty terrible besides the one game in Cleveland and then the entire of the ALCS. Isaiah Kainer-Falefa was someone we'll probably touch on later, but he was horrific in every aspect of the game throughout the, you know, mirroring just his, his typical 2022 performance. Then Aaron Judge uh, had a pretty abysmal playoff as a whole. You know, that shouldn't discredit the, his stellar historic regular season or the Yankees' efforts to resign him, but his, uh, his playoff was nothing short of Horrific and mortifying. Blair Torres was pretty terrible. John Carlos Stanton, for the most part, he had he lit, failed to live up to the expectations. He had, you know, probably not on the same par as Stanton. As on par as Judge, the only two players in the offense who were semi-competent and actually played played very well, Anthony Rizzo, Harrison Bader, fantastic. Those two were, you know, rock stars. The pitching staff as a whole was very good, but just, you know, when you have seven incompetent, terrible horrific mortifying offensive players you're not going to get anything done especially against a very good astros team that frankly you know i mean they can look at this game like the astros they didn't beat the yankees because they were infinitely more talented a much more constructed rock better constructed roster they beat them because the yankees offense the players who were supposed to perform proposed to show up didn't and they got dominated in every facet of the game by a team that frankly they are you know a yankees gm yeah astros gm Say what you will. I think the Yankees, you know, lots of their front office, they have several flaws. But in terms of the overall gist and getting, like, putting together a stellar team, I think they did a valiant effort and they put together a team that should be competing, should be, you know, fighting for a World Series title. But at the end, those players just didn't didn't perform. And it's 
then there's no excuses besides the fact that they didn't show up, they didn't perform, they didn't hit. They had several pit guys who were supposed to come up in the clutch who did not. Some starters gave less than stellar efforts, some managerial mishaps that just put together an equation for a mortifying, disappointing, and horrendous playoff run. Luke, we heard your opinion, and of course this is Luke Jovanovic, who you've heard on Fire to Tired a couple of times, including right before the ALCS, I believe it was game one, you came on with a preview for us, and there was a cautious optimism. I think you actually predicted the Yankees to win the series, but of course you told me afterward you weren't 100% sure on that prediction, more of the Yankees' bias opinion. But now looking back on this five-game series, what went wrong? Is it the bats? Is there anything else? What else do you want to tell us about this series that Jack didn't just cover? I mean, Dylan, what went right? <laughs> I, like, it's very hard to find what went right in this series. I think one thing that Jack didn't really touch on that I want to expand on greatly is we look like a little league team fielding the ball. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't understand what happens. Like, it has to be a mental thing because we're fine in the regular season. In fact, we improved defensively this year compared to the last two years. But suddenly it's like a f every fly ball we're holding our breath because Judge is going to run into someone or Glaber Torres can't flip the ball to IKF on a ground out to second base where even if he double triple clutched, they still would have gotten a double play. It's just like the most frustrating things because we ended up beating ourselves in this game and multiple times throughout the series. I think Jack's also right. There was about every year, no matter how well Cashman does. And I do think that Cashman's job should be safe. I mean, we touched on this when I came on originally. I think Cashman did a very good job this year of constructing the lineup. But somehow, every year with these Yankees playoff rosters in the last few years, seven through nine is an auto out. But this year, it was five through nine that was an auto out. And you just can't win games when they can just mow through our order with eight pitches an inning, and it takes our guys – 15, 16, 17 pitches to get through in three outs. Like, this is just not a recipe for success. It sets your bullpen up for failure long-term, and it makes arms tired. And, I mean, props to the Astros, though. They took care of their business. They played their brand of baseball. And a combination of them being good in the clutch, like Pena, man, wow, what a series from him. And he was, of course, just named the ALCS MVP as well. I'm not sure the last time a rookie, and we can try to find that, but the last time a rookie won the LCS MVP, Jeremy Pena was just named and I'm, that. And I'm sure you wanted to say this and hype yourself up, but you said that Bregman was going to be the I MVP did. of the series. And I would probably say that Bregman came second in that voting because mm -hmm. he also had an amazing series. So, sure. I mean, just Houston just got their job done. Just, yeah. They got the job done, and we beat ourselves. But also Houston beat us, if that kind of makes sense. We helped them along yeah. the way, which is pathetic effort. Makes sense. A new voice for side retired Mac McNamara. Your thoughts on this team in general? What went wrong for the Yankees? Luke even said what went right for the Yankees. Is there anything that you think you can build upon? Or is this sort of a miserable four-game stretch swept out of Houston? Anything you want to add on that? Man, I was... That Aaron Hicks game, I was chanting, we want Houston. <laughs> I was one of those guys. I wanted to beat the Astros so bad. And, you know, I think the hardest part about this is that when you look at the Astros, at least in my opinion, I really don't think they're that much better than us. Everyone performed to their standards. Our pitching shoved. Like, our pitching was so good. We got Garrett, obviously, who's 
ace of New York. I don't want to hear anything else about how he can't perform in the postseason. He's awesome. Sevy was great. He just made that one mistake. Uh, relief pitching for the most part. I mean, Johnny tonight looked untouchable for the most part. And we kept our hitters in check. I mean, Altuve obviously going through struggles. Jordan, uh, it really just Pena. In the bottom of the lineup, we just can't keep walking guys like Chaz McCormick and Martin Maldonado. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I think there's a lack of cohesion for an office. As we see, like, just lack of accountability, admitting that you're wrong. Like, Josh Donaldson, the whole season, just garbage. IKF, they preached his defense all year. And then, obviously, we all were saying he's going to cost us a game. He cost us the season, actually. So, that's IKF for you. Then we bring in Lou Trevino with bases loaded last game. Double play, and he throws all sliders for some reason. It just seems like there's a lack of, like, a clear plan. And when you look at the baby bomber, bummy, uh, baby bomber era, the end of it right now I think um, we can mark this the end of the baby bomber era and it's basically just an enormous failure after such high expectations alright I'm going to come to each of you guys and give you each 15 to 30 seconds I know this is probably not a fun time to think about this topic but Aaron Judge in general you had the 62 home runs high you had the not so great postseason and now he's technically a free agent and might have played his last game in a Yankee uniform, which I don't think, and Jack, you can comment on this. You think there's zero chance that actually occurred, but your thoughts in general, I'll give you each 15 to 30 seconds. Tell us about the whole situation that is number 99, Aaron Judge. Jack, if you want to go first. I think the number one prevailing narrative is going to be that Aaron Judge can't, you know, he squanders in the bright lights and he can't play in the playoffs, which I think is a farce. Just going off one, you look to his playoff resume, you know, the entirety of 2017 comes up at the wildcard game in his debut. It's an enormously clutch home run. Then something that goes very underappreciated is that if had the Yankees held on to their 3-2 lead in the 2017 ALCS, Aaron Judge would have been gone on to be named MVP. He was by far the biggest player of their offense. He was the catalyst of several of their late comebacks during the three-game win streak against Houston. And then you go forward, 2018, he played well in the division series. Then 2019, you know, he had the rough ALCS versus Houston, still came up with a big home run versus Justin Verlander. 2020, he provided the entirety of the Yankee offense when they were facing elimination versus the Rays. 2021 had the solid game. That was an overall terrible performance for the Yankees. Then 2022, he had a probably a horrific postseason. That does not undo the remainder of his playoff resume, nor does it undo the entirety, you know, the numerous times throughout the entirety of this season and last season and years before where Aaron Judge would put the Yankees on his back to get them to the playoffs in the first place. So that's number one. Aaron Judge is, is by no means an unclutch player. He just had a horrific, probably the worst playoff of his entire life. But on the question of will he be back, I would say yes. You know, they probably do have more of an outlook now, now that several of the fans have certainly turned on him, just given, you know, that's the unfair nature of New York sports. But the fact remains, he was the biggest player of their offense at sometimes the entirety of their offense. He needs to be brought back. He will be brought back considering the magnitude of his social stature and his, you know, his his presence among the New York media and the fact that he is by far a, the best player on their team and a top four talent <laughs> the organization has ever had. Luke, take it away. Your thoughts on Aaron Judge. And by the way, the OPS in the career has now slipped below 800. It's now at 785. Luke, take it away. I mean, I first off want to completely second everything Jack said about Judge's postseason, not taking away from his past postseasons and his regular season. 
we still probably witnessed one of the top 10 individual seasons from a hitter in probably history. And we were lucky enough to witness it together, which I think is pretty special. Um, Will Aaron Judge come back? I think it's a toss-up right now, honestly. I think the fact that the New York fans uh, reacted such a way they did with the booing, I don't know if that's going to sit too well. Also don't know how much Steinbrenner is willing to spend because if you think about it, we weren't willing to spend that much at the beginning of the season, and now we're going to have to spend way more to keep them now. But honestly, I think my more hot take lies on the fact that if the Yankees don't re-sign Judge, it's actually not the worst thing in the world. Yes, Judge was our entirety of our offense. Judge carried us flat out. We would probably be a 500 team and probably have not made the playoffs with Aaron Judge. But you have to think about it like this. If the Yankees re-sign Aaron Judge, that means we're going to keep trying to win now. Do we think that the Yankees next year with Aaron Judge and this roster tinkered a little bit will be able to beat the Houston Astros again? I, I like I don't know. I almost think that if Judge doesn't re-sign and we move a few pieces and we punt next year and we just wait for Volpe and Dominguez and we build around them, it might be a better solution long term than trying to keep Judge. I mean, of course, keeping Judge is the best case scenario. I think we all want to keep Judge, but I think that long term, if Judge doesn't resign with the Yankees, it's not the worst thing in the world. Jack. <laughs> um, I don't know, just because like the idea of a punt, I think looking at the Yankees structure their offseason, I would say they're it was, it was kind of the reverse that this year was kind of the punt. It was more so looking to next year, knowing the fact that Anthony Volpe is going to be up next year. Oswald Peraza is likely going to be on the opening day roster. They're going to have more flexibility with the cap, knowing that Zach Britton and Aroldis Chapman are going to be off their payroll. So like the fact I don't think they're going to punt just because, you know, going in next year, much of your team is up for free agency where you're going to be able to restruct and have prospects coming up. And then you assume, you know, out of the Yankee offense, several players are going to be traded. You're going to you saw turnover like this last year. You're going to see it again. And like people, New York fans, I've I've been, you know, a victim of myself. We say, oh, you know, let's look at the Red Sox. Look at the Red Sox do. Like the Red Sox have had years where they're absolutely abysmal. And like it's easy now where you talk about like, you know, the World Series, but like going through a 162 game season where your team is more is horrific throughout the entirety of it. You have to sit back like this is pain, very painful for Yankee fans. But we're at the end of it. Imagine having the pain of knowing your team is going to is playing meaningless games day in and day out throughout the entirety of your spring and summer. It's not a good feeling. I, I mean, I'll jump in quickly for a second saying that from now experiencing both the playoff loss as well as the disappointing season, knowing that it is over in August, September. I don't know. It's tough. Maybe because this was just the first postseason that I've lost. And you can obviously speak on more sort of whether this one feels worse than 2017 feels worse than losing in a wild card game. And maybe we'll get to that later, but I don't know. It's an interesting feeling of, and I have to give credit to where credit's due, and this is also tying back to the Phillies thing. Dave Dombrowski is a different type of GM than Brian Cashman. It's just a fact. Dombrowski comes into a team, whether it was with the Marlins, Tigers, Red Sox, and now the Phillies, and he says, we're going to stink for a year or two, but then we're going to get a bunch of players. We're going to go all in on a singular season, and he's got five, I believe it is, pennants now to his credit. Yes, Brian Cashman has around that same number as well, but the teams are built different around Cashman and around Dombrowski. And it seems like it's a different philosophy that both those two guys have, which does bring me to my next question. And all three of you guys can chime in on this. Is Brian Cashman the right guy to lead the Yankees in this upcoming offseason? Matt, if you want to go first, since we didn't get your take on the last one. 
Oh, this is a tough one. Uh, <laughs> I probably don't like Cashman the most out of everyone here. Uh, I think very he's good at like sneaky moves. Like look at the Clay Holmes trade, the Wandy Peralta trade. Like mm-hmm. those are fleeces of deals, and obviously brought us great players. But I mean, overall, just like the reluctance midseason to make any changes to the roster, specifically looking at this season, the whole left side of the infield, um, the treatment of prospects. Um, generally, like babying or prospects, you look at all these successful teams um, like the Astros who brought up Pena immediately. And I just think that after 20 years, Brian Cashman has won championship and it just might be time for a voice change in the organization to try to run things maybe a little different and switch it up. All right, same question, Luke, but this is regarding Aaron Boone. Should Aaron Boone be managing the Yankees for the upcoming season? I already mentioned this a little bit. I think Cashman should stay. I think he did what he could do with the budget he had to the best of his ability. And yeah, maybe we could have gone, we could have switched a few players. Maybe we could have gone after a more substantial shortstop than IKF. But I mean, it's, it's, it, it is what it is. We always knew that we have players in the pipeline who are coming up who are going to play in those positions and a short-term stopgap solution, I guess is a respectable decision to make. Aaron Boone, on the other hand, I think Aaron Boone needs to go. I mean, he basically almost costed us the ALDS series. People are not going to remember that. And then he made a very few, he made a few questionable pitching decisions in this series as well. I just, I just think you need a different voice heading the team. Um, I think it's just time for a change. And I know, I don't think Jack's going to like that answer very much because Jack is more in favor of stability. And I do understand that, but I also think that we need, we, we need, a different energy in the clubhouse. It's a little stale now after five years of losing the same way over and over again. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, generally very like against anti-Boone because that's a very New Yorkish thing to do. That's the first person they go to blame is the manager, regardless if they're the best, worst, like, you know, Yankee fans ringing for Joe Torre to be fired towards <laughs> the end of his tenure. But, you know, if you look at Boone, I think, you know, it's hard to judge managerial because the main thing is the bullpen. I think in Klaus Clubhouse, there's not really much I can comment on that. It seems like for the most part, Boone is excellent in that regard of his job. So nothing really to say there. But in terms of the bullpen management, because granted, there is always stuff we don't know. How are guys feeling? You know, do they have more numbers than we can even fathom in terms of matchups they like, things like that. But the big the thing that I'll come to say in the most part is one, I think Garrett Cole absolutely pulled too early. He's the best pitcher on this roster, without a doubt. He's at 94, not even close to pushing his max. If he has bases loaded, nobody out. I don't care how those guys got on. He's the guy I want pitching there. The Yankees, you have to be managing with more urgency. And to follow that up in this game, I thought he was probably one of the worst games I've ever seen Aaron Boone manage in the regard that one, Nestor Cortez, I think you need to get someone throwing immediately. You're facing elimination, as we just saw. And Nestor Cortez walked the first uh, walked Chaz McCormick. And then you have to have someone going up immediately. I don't care if it's Lou Trevino, someone who can either just be a stabilizer or if it's who, the guy who they brought in, Jonathan LeWise, or um, someone who's your eight, you know, elite reliever who can go in and get out. Like you need to be having someone get up immediately, not necessarily acting on it. But then by the time he walks Altuve, that is inexcusable. He has to be up and he has to be pulled at that point because he hasn't thrown a strike. He hasn't walked back to back batters all in it all year. And then, you know, you see what happens, you know, it's Jeremy Pena. And I know this sounds all reactionary. I do have the text receipts. If, you know, we want to see all these guys. So I did say 
pull him after Altuve walked. And then sure enough, Jeremy Pena hit a three-run home run. And that, you know, was the difference in this game. Who knows what happens had Nestor been pulled and acted out early, especially if, you know, you have a suspicion of he's hurt. you got to go get your guy. Pedro Martinez said this, you have to take out the warrior. It's, you know, they, he's not going to want to come out. You know the type of gamer Nestor is. And then, you know, the, the Cashman question real quick. I think, you know, people kind of personifies the entire Yankee offense as under Cashman. And like Matt said, there's several facets of here, not necessarily all under his domain, you know, his direct decision-making. The Yankee front office has several things they do very well and excel at and several things that they fail and there's lacking. You know, and recently the pitching development has been excellent. The minor league development has been fantastic. The Yankees minor league system has, you know, been filled and had supplemental death depth that they've been able to act on both in calling up guys to be immediately impacts and also have allowed them to have very good trade uh, deadlines the past few years and act and get several impact players, Anthony Rizzo, Joey Gallo, Frankie Montas, Efros. So, you know, several, several key pieces there who were at the time, very good deals. So I will say the minor league development has been very good. The hitting coach, they just brought in a new hitting lab, new hitting philosophy. I think you can't act on that too early, but the fact of the matter is line of construction, roster manipulation, Having guys being called up has been the main issue. We have several players who are capable minor leaguers. I'm going to say right now, you're probably going to hear me say this a lot over the offseason. Anthony Volpe needs to be the opening day shortstop. That's a must. Look at what the, the Mariners did with Julio Rodriguez, Jeremy Pena. We have projection systems now. We have more accurate ways to determine how minor leaguers, their skills are going to translate to the major league level. And Anthony Volpe is a major league ready player. It's Isaiah kind of for life up by absolute. There is no stretch of the imagination. He can be on this roster. He needs to be non-tendered tomorrow. All right. Yeah. Fact, he's going to be a stopgap and be the opening day shortstop, but that's more for another time. It's fun to parallel that the Astros technically could have been in the same exact spot as the Yankees. Once they realized we're not getting Correa, they could have done the same. Let's get a stopgap. Who's going to nurture Jeremy Pena, but they gave the reins to their young shortstop. And all of a sudden, he's now the ALCS MVP against you guys. I do have a couple of questions before we wrap up. And Jack, obviously, these are the instant reactions to what happened today. I'm sure maybe we take a couple of days off because I don't think the World Series is starting until Friday, I believe, even though both teams clinched pretty early. Game one is Friday, so we'll probably have a new episode out for you guys previewing the World Series on Thursday. So that's where we'll be talking more about the Phillies and the Astros. Jack, I know we have a fun guest coming on the podcast after us. Nice little sweep. You're going to love that episode. Um, but I have a couple rapid fire questions that will go around the horn. Jack will go first. Luke will go second. And Matt, you'll go third. Keep these answers pretty short, but we'll cover a lot of topics in the next two to three minutes or so. Now that the baby bomber era is officially over, maybe not officially because Aaron Judge is probably coming back, but it sort of gets a sense the trilogy against the Astros has come to a completion, losing all three ALCSs against them. This one in a sweep. But Jack, if you had to sum up the baby bomber era in one word that word would be disappointing i remember my dad told me after the 2017 alcs there was an article in the wall street journal about i I don't know who wrote it maybe jason gay whoever was talking about how this that would be the worst yankee team the worst yankee team for the next decade talking about the dynasty they had on their hands and yet since that series no yankee team has made it as far as that one did game seven of the alcs and currently there's three players who i would consider baby bombers on that team, Aaron Judge, Gleyber Torres, Luis Severino. You figure the Yankees are going to pick up Severino's option. He looked very well, very excited for his next year. And then Gleyber Torres, you know, he might, I think it's more logical that he's played his last Yankee game than Aaron Judge, a prospect who had a solid year this year, but never, he failed to live up to the hype that surrounded him. And then it's just Aaron Judge, where Aaron Judge has 
surpassed, exceeded every expectation possibly fathomable about how good of a player he could be. But that was it in a loaded farm when that Aaron Judge was not even the top prospect. You didn't get a single player and let alone trade for any impact player. The, the highest impact person you got was James Paxton, who are very good, just provided you innings that were very, you know, it's one of the best playoff memories you had. He was very good starter in the 2019 ALCS, but yet you still lost that series too. Guess who? The Houston Astros. So this overall series is without a doubt a failure. They did not reach a World Series. You know, it's hard. You're going to assign the blame to many people, the manager, general manager. It goes to no one else besides the players. You know, you talk about the potential Garrett Cole deal going into 2018 had they decided to move Glaber Torres or Clint Frazier. That never happened, and who knows how the Yankees' playoff run shape up had that deal gone down. So it's a disappointment, it's a failure, and it's time to eradicate that name from our vocabulary and move on to the next generation of Yankee prospects. Glaber Torres, Clint Frazier, Miguel Andujar, Greg Bird, Gary Sanchez, all gone. Luke, what's your word to describe the Baby Bombers? Wow, Jack, that really sounded like you want to move on from the baby bomber era and kind of punt for a year or two. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> but I think the word I would use is just depressing. I mean, this is what the fifth year I'm now sat on my couch and haven't moved for an hour since we've been eliminated by the Houston Astros for the third time in the last five or six years. And the most tragic part of it all is I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and realize that the trash cans really did not make that big of a difference. That's going to be the biggest thing that hurts me. I like it. Mac, what you got? Man, this team just heartbreaking every year, such high expectations. And there, and like the girl that keeps cheating on you and you just let her do it. You just keep, <laughs> keep, keep letting it happen. This team draws me in every year and they just break my heart every single year to the same team every time and you know maybe it's for the best that this era is over i like it all right quick and simple how much would you be willing to offer aaron judge years and dollar value if you do aav i can definitely calculate the total for you but jack lead us off what is the offer that you're asking aaron judge giving him maximum i think the offer he rejected was seven for 210 you're obviously going to have to after more for that but jack what's the offer for aaron judge Aaron Judge is my all-time favorite baseball player. I was at his MLB debut. I was at game five of the ALDS, which might go down as his last homer he ever hits in a Yankee uniform. And as I want to give him a blank check very badly. But at the same time, I've seen how large contracts can cripple an organization. You look at what, you know, especially Alex Rodriguez did to the Yankees late term. So you have to go into this with an open mind. And you've got to know the Yankees have several holes in it to be addressed. And then if they do sign Aaron Judge, it's likely the only addition they'll make all offseason that adds a significant change to the lineup. And you will figure, let's say the Yankees run back the same team as this year. I don't think many people, they're, they're a very good team, especially if they're healthier. I don't think many people think it's enough to overcome the Astros or the Dodgers or the Braves or the Mets because we know those teams, or maybe probably not the Mets, will we'll hey. certainly, we'll certainly be there in the World Series. <laughs> I say, I'd say my offer, and I think this is what the Yankees are expected to be as there, like they prefer to not to go over 40. So I would say mine, it would be about 38 for seven years would be my, what I consider a fair and gen very generous offer. I, who knows how the playoffs are going to affect that. I think that's 266 over seven. Yeah. That seems like it's not, maybe it won't be enough to get it done. And maybe the Yankees go more, but you figure if there's an owner who's just trying to make the publicity stunt of signing Aaron judge, you're on a horrendous team. Maybe they don't want to do that after the playoffs. Who knows? 
But certainly, I think that's a very fair offer. And if he does turn that down, I think you have to look in another direction. Wow, this is the first time where Jack is finally accepting that there might be a possibility that Aaron James Judge is not the king of New York. Luke, offer. I think in that last that, that last go, Jack again is coming to the opinion that the Yankees losing Aaron Judge would actually not be the worst thing in the world for us long term. How much would I give Aaron Judge? I would give him my kids, my car, my mortgage, my my house. Like I would give him everything to stay on this team because like he's just the perfect New York superstar, clean cut, goes about his business, no extracurriculars, plays the ball really well. And the fans, although you know, you hear the boo birds, they're a vast minority of the New York fan base. We love this guy. We literally built a section for him in the middle of our stadium during his rookie season. And we were we were we were called out for that being bold at the time. So I would really like to give him as much money as he wants. But I also I also have to agree with Jack because this is what I was saying at the beginning of the episode, not as concisely as Jack did. I will give him that credit for that, <laughs> which is that if we do give him everything in the world, we're really going to tie ourselves down. And so I'm thinking we'll probably have to give him 40 or 45. And I'd be fine with that, I guess, moving forward. Mac. Uh, I think it's hard to make the case that he's much better than Mike Trout, if anything at all. So if he's trying to get a contract that's higher than that, I'd give him 36 and a half and give him the eighth year instead of going uh, going higher for less years. All righty. So that would be 292 over eight years. Call me crazy. But if you went to Aaron Judge and said five years, 250. Would he take that? Because Jack offered seven to sixty-six. So yeah. does Aaron Judge have enough confidence himself that he could get two years and sixteen million dollars after five years? Because in theory, that's how you have to think about it. And this is using the Trevor Bauer, using the Max Scherzer style of contract, and thinking get the maximum amount I can right now, knowing that if I get this per year basis now, that would be more than, for example, you guys were saying, give him around forty, give him around thirty-six. What if you gave him 50 right now? You could even say opt out after two years. Structure a shorter term contract. I know the Dodgers love to do this. So that's why I'm thinking Dodgers sneaky dark horse, especially if they lose Trey Turner this offseason. Five years, 250, opt out after year two. That way you're not tied down to him long term, but you're also giving him the opportunity to then once he's done with this contract at age, what, 33, 34, by the time five years is over, he still has the possibility of going and getting another three-year, $80 million contract. And that obviously is more than what you're giving right now in seven years, 266. Just something to think about there in a potential deal of that sort. Jack, anything else you want to throw in? No, I would say no, just because he's he had the historic season now and there's going to be someone who gives him the eight over, with the guaranteed money he's looking for. There's not really a need for him to have to go bet on himself again, especially mm-hmm. given the nature that... Like, Aaron Judge could very well put up a season of this esque. Maybe you know he puts it up again. Who knows? Maybe he does it like a Bonds esque types, uh, you know, um, era where he goes for this this kind of numbers over two three years. Even then, you know, how much more money are you talking? Because he's still aging. He's getting older. Like people know that these guys, they don't put up these numbers over the long term, and they they aren't stupid with giving away long term contracts like they have been. So I don't really see a world where he doesn't sign for like at the seven eight deal. I don't think he's getting cute. 
And I know the Dodgers tried that with Harper and he said no. So I expect a similar type response from Judge. Well, of course, we've now entered the part of the season. Fortunately for you, yours is only going to last roughly a week, whereas mine is almost a month in that your season is over and we're just yearning for the off season. And we're like, let's go. Let's start making moves. We want the season to get done, off season, qualifying offers, and surely there will be a lot of fun. We do have a great World Series ahead of us now, Astros and Phillies. I think the world's probably going to be rooting for the Phillies. Uh, if you're a New Yorker, you're not supposed to root for Philadelphia. We don't like Philadelphia people, so I'm going to be going go Astros. I assume the three of you will be going fighting Phils. So we definitely have a fun series. Jack, James, and I will be back on Thursday proving that. But thanks to Luke and Matt for joining us on this one. Anything else you guys want to throw out there? Season's over. Misery, depression, sadness, the same stuff I had roughly two weeks ago. Setting in that the trilogy is over. You were defeated all three times. This one probably the most embarrassing. On your home field for the first time of the three times, anything you guys want to throw in? Yeah, can we uh, stop playing Frank Sinatra after a loss <laughs> and an elimination, please? I sat there in my chair like on the verge of tears and just hearing <laughs> New York, New York as the Astros are celebrating on our field. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know I was teasing you guys earlier playing Frank Sinatra. I think initially they used to have two different versions. One they played after a win, one they played after the loss, but now they just play Frank after every single game. And obviously that's not a great look to see the Astros celebrating with New York, New York playing in the background in the Bronx with a series being over. All right. For the next time, Dylan, James, Jack, Luke, and Matt until the next time the side is retired.